There was an agreement between Castro and Carter that if you made it to the United no, States, that he was shipping out Cubans in boats. I mean, people, you can correct me. You can look us up, scholars, the readers out there. I don't give a. F- <laughs> I lived it. I don't know exactly what happened, but I lived it. This was an unspoken agreement. Get the same popping, bro. Nice. We can smoke in here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, you tell me, bro. You hear yourself? I can hear myself. Yeah, now. bro. Here we are, man. So, uh, Laz, you born and bred Bay Ridge guy? No, bro. I was born in Cuba. Oh, shit. Born in Cuba. Came here on a boat. No. Came here on a boat in 1980. It was a terrible sailboat. I still remember the name of the boat. Um, we came, we left Mario Cuba and we got to Key West. How about, you know, when, how about when you're rolling, we'll use this mic here so people can hear you and you don't have to go there. Nice. We'll do that. Okay. Oh, careful. Yeah. Careful of that water. You know, I'm, I'm going to let you roll that and then I'll, I'll get you, uh, I'll get you full. I don't want to, you know, pass over this. Oh, this is good shit. Dude, I'm, I'm fresh off of, uh, a 37 hour fast. I broke it at like 1 p.m. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Why? Dude, yeah. You should I, be really fast. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just do that sometimes. As of like, as of like the past probably three or four years. So I went vegan three years ago. Good. Occasionally, like once a month, I'll fast for like 36 hours. Nice. And I just nice. feel like super zoned in. Nice. And shit like that. Are you California, dude? No, no, I'm born and bred in New York, dude. You sound like a California I sound like a California guy. What's up? Here he is. All right, we get your full focus now. Les. Should I look at the camera or look at you? I think it's a mixture of both, bro. I like so you're going to have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're like going to have to balance that out. Okay, so what happened? The wet foot treaty? <coughs> oh, there used to be something called the, the wet foot, dry foot. Means if you were, <laughs> if you left Cuba yeah. and you got to, let's say, Florida, you got to the beach, you're a permanent resident of this country. Wow. Green card, given to you right there at the beach. It's just the hardest journey ever to get here from Cuba. I wouldn't say it's the most difficult. Not the most treacherous, I imagine. I think there's other places in the Caribbean. I think from either from Puerto Rico or Dominican Republic or Dominican Republic to Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico is more dangerous. How old were you at the time? Seven. So it was your mom and dad that brought you over? Yeah, it was my mom, my sister, and, and um, my mom and my sister in one boat. So there were children and women in one boat, and then the men came in a little smaller boat. I would see my dad. And did you have to... Pay like a captain of the boat? Was no, it no, no. These are all refugees, man. Yeah, yeah. These are political prisoners. You can say are political refugees. I left Cuba. Literally, like a, like a mass exodus, bro. Like how many people were leaving at that particular oh, man. time? Thousands, bro. So it was just like boat after boat yeah. after boat, and then how many? Let's say they were, if there were a thousand boats, how many actually got to America? Land? Oh, dude, all of them. I don't think there were any fatalities. I mean, what really? do I know? I never heard of people dying during those trips, I would imagine. I mean, there are people that, I mean, these are actual boats. Yeah. Well, Cubans have been known to come here like in tires and shit, bro, and, and Cadillacs turn into boats. And so that's how intuitive they are over there. And it's just the hunger for the freedom of the United States? Yeah. Is it? Oh, just freedom overall. I yeah. mean, freedom of speech, most importantly, more importantly, you know, I think freedom of religion too. So growing up, though, what would. What would be the reason that your parents would bring you here? Like, what would what the only would reason why we're in this country is because of me? Because I was very sick in Cuba. I had asthma and I had all these allergies, a topical dermatitis. I couldn't breathe. And the doctors there, you know, Cuban doctors are very good doctors, very well known around the world. They were like, if you get this kid up north, um, climate change, he might be able to, you know, get better. Was it from the air you were breathing? Yeah. So the second I got, we got to Florida, I was still sick. 
when we got to New Jersey, though, I was no longer asthmatic. My lungs opened up. Wow. Yeah, everyone was crying. They're like, oh, this kid's not asthmatic. What is so toxic about the air in Cuba? I don't know. Maybe the humidity. It's very humid. Which people sometimes say that it's the opposite. They, they'd rather go to a Caribbean climate. But me, I was a complete opposite. I was dying. Too. I was like, go ahead. When I came here, I was seven years old. I swear, my parents told me I weighed like 40 pounds. Well, were people working with aluminum and, and copper and burning things that would maybe affect the air and makes it, make it toxic? Or? Maybe. Or maybe that's just that damp humidity that's in Cuba. Because it's fucking hot and humid as fuck. You went to school in Florida when you got there? No, I was on there for two weeks. You went to Florida for two weeks. How did you get up north to New Jersey? In a plane for the first time. A plane? Yeah, dude. So I was like, we're not taking another boat. Yeah, dude, I was going to say. So your parents must have saved up a lot of money, right? No, I were, my father's best friend claimed us. Because you have to be claimed. So the, my aunt claimed us. My aunt claimed us in Miami. And then he took us in. We lived in his house for a little while. You went to middle school in New Jersey. I went to grammar school in New Jersey. I went to, I went to first grade in Cuba. Yes. Um... I went to first grade in Cuba, kindergarten, first grade, and then I came here. And then they, because I was a refugee, didn't know the language, they um, left me back. So I had to do first grade again. And that was the only because in Cuba the school is very advanced education, like they fucking they're hardcore. Oh yeah. So I was the only kid in first grade who knew how like to handwrite and stuff like that. Script, <laughs> yeah, script dude, shit. Great, dude. It's funny nobody knows how to do script I want, like, anymore. We're like the last student. people. <laughs> <laughs> the guy didn't speak English. I got most outstanding student. Was like, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, and you want to mess around, man, with the education. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, it's free. You know, Kyle, you could be a doctor if you want, and make like three cents a month. From <laughs> Jesus, from seven to eighteen, you were in New Jersey. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How did your childhood look like growing up in New Jersey? It, being was, a refugee? it wasn't good. It was. It was good for the first couple of years. We came from Cuba. We came, I mean, if, dude, it was living in Cuba. Felt like the lights were off all the time. It felt gray. And then we come here. It's like a big fucking party. It has electricity, and um, holidays and everything, which we don't have in Cuba. And then my family joined a cult, and that was the end of that, bro. That was like the beginning of the end of my happy childhood until I was like, um, I think sixteen. That my parents, my mom was like, "Oh, you don't have to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore." And then I left when I was eighteen. When you were you were a Jehovah's Witness as a teenager, though, I was yes. So you were knocking terrible. On, knocking on doors, knocking on doors. What were some of the things that were terrible about it? The sexual abuse, the lies, the brainwashing, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, the physical abuse, the molestation, that kind of stuff. And it's very like popular there. It's all over the place. It's riddled with that stuff. Jehovah's Witnesses are a terrible cult. The Watchtower. Stay away from that. And they believe that Jesus is coming back, right? No, not Jesus. No, no, no. They believe that Jesus is the son of Jehovah. Jehovah is the almighty God, and there's going to be an Armageddon. And there will be 144,000 people living in heaven. And the rest, like if you were a Jehovah's Witness, you would survive Armageddon and then live here on paradise earth. When is Armageddon? <laughs> when did they say? Exactly. Oh, they've been saying that for a while. Well, they've been predicting that for a while. They're, they say 1975, 95. But they were predicting that the end of the generation of 1914, which means anyone that was born on 1914 or before, once that generation died, that's an Armageddon was going to come. I mean, it's 2023, man. These people are dead. Anyone that was born in 1914 is, is dead right now. Was there somebody in your parents' life that pulled them into... No, it was just my mom and my sister. Um, we came from Cuba, right? So, you know, we were refugees here. We, were, we didn't really know a lot of people. 
my parents didn't know the language. So three years living to the country. My father and his brothers and dad and stuff from Cuba, they were part of this mafia. So he decided to join them here. How old was your brother? I don't have a brother. I have a sister. Okay. She's older than me. Okay, okay. She's about seven years older, I think. Okay, I'm going to be speaking to the mic a little We don't more. talk. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at you. Um, Go ahead. We don't, we, don't, we don't talk to any of them. And they're still Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hardcore. So, yeah, hilarious. That's where the funny comes from, man. Yeah. Yeah, Hemingway was like, you need two things. Right? You need, a, you need terrible childhood and talent. I'm still looking I, for that talent. I but. imagine that your family isn't that supportive of your comedy career. No, we don't talk. So, I mean, if they know or they, they do know, I have no idea. When did you start to see the shift in your family becoming Jehovah's Witnesses? When you know, I was 10 years old. Yeah, 10. So 10. What, was the, what was like the story from that point? The 10 years old was when they told me we couldn't celebrate Christmas anymore. I Wait, think I but, but you sorry, but you celebrated Christmas in Cuba or not no, really? here though. Okay, so you got it here was at introduced seven to and me. you were like two years of Christmas and then no more. Three years of the Christmas, hell? Halloween. Thank uh, you, Ted. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Can I curse? <coughs> Too late. Oh yeah. Oh, it does say yeah, explicit on your description. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. Yeah, so you know, there we go. Um, yeah, yeah, we curse a little bit here, bro. Um, it was, it was, yeah, man. It was like we had, we, we had all this stuff. And then it was taken away, and that to me was as a child, man. That was, and I would I was a baseball player. I would play little league. I was playing little league, and I couldn't play little league anymore because competition was satanic. Oh my! So then I would get my ass kicked because every spring I was like, I want to play baseball. No, pa pa pa! And my mom and my sister would just beat the crap out of me. It was crazy. So yeah, I mean, child was, and eh, you know, it was fifty fifty. There were some good parts. They weren't all terrible. How was yeah. high school? High school was was. <laughs> wasn't bad it was terrible but it wasn't bad because you know i was i was peaking i think in my good looks at that time why do you say terrible though just of the family life yeah because i was living a double life and remember <laughs> I, I was in i didn't leave my house till after high school so i was in their house even though i wasn't a Jehovah's witness it was just they did give me my freedom like i had you know it, my mom would never come into my room we would you know, I would be there with my friends doing great. They wouldn't ever like barge in. They gave me respect, but it was just knowing that, okay, he's here for another two years and he's going to leave. So and was that when you stopped talking to your family? No, I stopped talking to my family completely about seven years ago. Okay, I want to get into that. But once you turned 18, did you go to college in New Jersey? I went when to community out? college. Uh, I didn't graduate. I went to, to community college for about a year, a year and a half. And then I didn't finish that. I was just working since I was a young kid. Doing what kind of stuff? Restaurants, you know, paperboy. No, yeah, paperboy, okay. restaurant, retail. Then I was in the hotel industry for about fourteen years. Oh, what were you doing? I started in the front desk and I became the front desk manager, then VIP manager. Oh, what hotel yeah. in New the, York? The London man. Okay, where, where, where is in Ramsey, fifty fourth between six and seven. <coughs> oh, Hell's Kitchen. No, no, Midtown. What, did they have that restaurant, Hell's Kitchen, in it? They had no, no, they, no yeah, Gordon yeah, Ramsey. they had the Gordon Ramsay restaurant, dude. Okay. They opened up, they redid the whole fucking hotel. They Bro, used to be see, I knew I smelled the hospitality on you. Yeah. There you oh, go, I, dude. I started at a young age. I was working as a busboy when I was like 16. At that hotel? No, in Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you go to high school in Jersey? In West New York, Memorial. Okay, so I spent the first six weeks of my life in Princeton. Princeton, uh, Princeton and then, Tigers. And then I, yeah. Sure, we were the exactly, Memorial Tigers, exactly. same colors, orange and black. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you stole that from Princeton? Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I grew up there six weeks and then I moved to... Uh, New York, but I'm I'm pretty familiar Princeton with the towns beautiful. of Jersey. Yeah, I love Princeton. Princeton Junction. 
is where uh, my parents had an apartment. And then they both got jobs in Manhattan, and then I moved here. Been here yeah. since, yeah. been here since the, the other way around, either you go from here to Princeton, you go from Princeton to here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or Maplewood, New Jersey, which is not. Oh, right, right, that's true. You know Maplewood? Yeah. <coughs> Just from being, well, my dad's from South Orange, so nice. I know a lot of those yep. towns around there. A lot of transplants are going over there. Oh, yeah. Yep. I hear it's, uh, yeah, I hear there are a lot of developments there. What's going on on the phone? Who's texting you? Alex Carabagno, bro. Oh, a little V-spot guy? He's a vegan. He's a great vegan. Great food That's at funny. the V-spot in there Brooklyn. You, wow, look at that. Let's let's get back to that, uh, you going off to community college. And then when you got done, I mean, did you, you started working in restaurants and hospitality. Right, right in hospitality right away at 19. I got a job at the front desk at the Regal Royale Hotel. And then where did you live during that time? I had my own place. I lived with my girlfriend. Oh, there was a girlfriend. Here, hold on. Hello. So I had a, I had a, I had a girlfriend. Jehovah's Witness. No. Oh, yeah. No. That was another thing. My mom yeah, was that like. That was probably another. Th- that was the tally. thing that broke me. Like, oh, Christmas, that's fine. You're like, oh, you can only date Jehovah's Witness girls. I go, now we have a fucking problem. Right now, I can't do it. Now we got problems. Now we got a problem. Because I had a girlfriend already. <laughs> So I had a girlfriend from fifth grade to sophomore year in high school. Same girlfriend. And then we broke up when I was a sophomore. And then I met um, two of my kids' mom. We were together for 14 years. 16 to 30. Insane, Ted. Yeah, look, look at you. <laughs> that's, that's a culture I don't know, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. But it was a, like a refuge for me. Like a, that was my refuge to get out, you know. Like I'm going to go live with my girlfriend. So I left. And we moved in together. And then after being together 10 years, we had kids. But anyway, that was um, that was the relationship that I had during high school and after high school. I think that's what you asked. <laughs> you getting into comedy, though. Was that like on a whim? Like how did no, that... no, no, that's never on a whim. You just always liked comedy? That's always been something. Oh, yeah. Dude. When I um, came from Cuba, we had HBO for some reason, the Mafia Connection. Because in the 80s, that shit was expensive, bro. We just came from a boat. And here we have HBO. And I remember my parents, my father would go to work late. So I was watching Eddie Murphy, Delirious, George Carlin, all these shows, jamming in New York and all this stuff. And just loving stand-up. Paul Reiser at that time was fucking huge. Sam Kennison, um, Louis Anderson, all these people I used to watch. And I always, and that was always funny, man. Obviously, dealing with the Joe's Witness stuff, like I made it a point be funny and you were allowed to watch it on tv though at they home they didn't see me i they would watch know. porkies yeah right. they had no idea they were sleeping <laughs> watching all that shit what kind of stuff were was your dad involved in though uh, in new jersey at first i'm like you know illegal shit yeah. what was the legal shit it was illegal first? uh cuban gambling called bolita bolita it's an illegal number system with a lot of money involved. at casinos no like in the, the stores bodegas and stuff what did that look like? The, the numbers. You ever hear like the, in the in the poor neighborhoods they play the numbers? No. Tell gotta get out more. <laughs> Tell us in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. <laughs> look, yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was an illegal. It was an illegal gambling system called the uh, bolita, and it was like picking numbers, and if you pick the right number, you get paid. But, like the lottery, but, but illegal. Where, where were the numbers though? At the bodegas. Each deli had their own set of numbers. There were some bodegas that had the numbers and stuff. And then, you know, the poker machines. Yeah, the slot machines. Oh, right? dude, those things. Those things were paid. So that was the, the legal part that he was doing? Oh, illegal. No, there was nothing legal about them. My father's been legal since 1986. Yeah. He's been on the, on, the, on the good side of the law. But he didn't really do anything. He was just the accountant. He was good with numbers. You see anything 
sketchy from the, I mean, you, you were talking about it, but did you see anything worthy of speaking about that Jehovah's Witness people were doing? Trying to convert people or? Oh, that was the word. I'd rather have my father been a criminal than a Jehovah's Witness, but. I do you mean there was anything sketchy about that whole gambling thing? Yeah, there was because yeah, my 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 friend who was eighteen, his father had a grocery store where they got, and he had a Porsche, like in nineteen eighty four. You know how expensive those things were back in those days. I'm sure. So he had a Porsche. His friend had a Porsche. I remember these guys, Tony, Mike. That's not the real names. <laughs> Standard. These are guys I looked names. up to, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. I used to dress like that. Oh, he's wearing a U two shirt <coughs> with a blazer. I don't wear yeah, that, bro. That's the, these guys were the shit. You know, long hair, shit. I was like, yeah, I want to be like that. White kids or Italian? Kids? Cubans. Everyone Cubans. was Cuban. Okay. Everyone's Cuban. That's why I learned a lot of like uh, a lot of racist jokes growing up. A lot of a lot of Puerto Rican jokes. Yeah, Puerto Rican jokes like you wouldn't believe. Dude. I'm sure they have a lot of jokes about us. Mm. A lot of Cubans think they're funny. So a lot of jo- a lot of the old guys joking around in front of the bodega. I was there listening to them. You and your friends get in trouble though? No, not really, man. Not really. I skate. I've been skating. I still skate skateboard. Oh yeah. I mean, this, you know. Okay, so, you got yeah. the skate outfit. I, I have. Uh, dude, I've never brought this out Uh-oh. on camera, dude. Uh-oh. And I haven't used it in a while. I used to skateboard to middle school. Don't bro. bring out a longboard. No, are you or a pennyboard, bro? Don't bring out a longboard, dude. I'm not bringing out a longboard, bro. Look what we got here. Oh, nice. Not bad, right? Oh it's shit, toy machine, dude. A long time. Nice. Look how yeah, dusty bro. this thing is. I haven't, yeah, I haven't used this in like at least two years. Nice, bro. Right? So I, yeah, so I, uh, I used to skate what to middle school. What kind of trucks you got on here? I don't know. They were good at the time, oh, if okay. I remember. Nice. Bro. Right? Not bad. So you hit the. Was um, it like a seven and a half? Dude, I don't know. That's like a, yeah, that's a small. I hit, I skate white boards. What's that? Wider boards, eight, eight and a quarter, oh, eight I and a half. you said a whiteboard. No, whiteboard. Yeah, they're all white. <laughs> Tantrum, oh, crooked. White, uh, white people don't uh, board. You zoom into this later and you don't okay. lose any Crooked? resolution. Crooked, yeah. It's owned by Mark Gonzalez. The Gons. How old are you, Ted? 31. Oh, hey, you good for your age, bro. I thought yeah. you were a kid. All right, thanks, bro. I just shaved, dude. And, dude, I'm telling you, I'm off that fast. That shit, my nails are growing a little bit faster. I just, dude, my my freaking, uh, my skin's looking a little better. Do you feel so, like yeah, occasionally. one hand, your nails grow faster than the other? Uh, maybe it's because I pick one side more than the other, but no, maybe that's I don't really it. notice that. Makes that. Sense. Like, bro, I bite my nails like nobody's business. Maybe that's, I'm always like, this fucking hand. <laughs> my healthy side. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, right now, I have these two Band-Aids on because I was picking the skin to too much. Yeah. Oh. It's fucked. Yeah, dude. I feel like we all have these little addictions that if we maybe put an effort towards it, we can slow it down. Yeah, yeah. except unless it's weed. No, I can't. Yeah, yeah, dude, I'm on a, I'm on a multiple multiple J's a day. But do you smoke before you go on stage? Yeah. Or I, yeah, I saw you smoking right before you go on stage. Yeah, yeah. not all the time. Do you, I don't have to. Right, right. But yeah. you you don't mind doing it. I don't mind doing it. How about either. eating before you go on? No, dude. Nobody, nobody for right, you. Is eats. that a thing? I don't eat, bro. That's before the Ted Jones I'm comedy show. I don't eat. I don't eat too. I, I wake like up at home yeah. and eat like an animal. Yeah, because you just uh, your energy is more focused on mm-hmm. breaking down food. If you have like too much food in your stomach and you're on yeah. stage, you're yeah. thinking about jokes. Your yeah. body's like, oh, I got a freaking. Uh, and I feel like it's almost like a nachos. reward at the end of the night. Like you know, I did the job. You work, and that's like waking up. You hit the gym, and then you freaking get the you know you hunt, and then you get the food. Dude, but I do. You know, I've cut down on the tequila. I used to have. I, the tequila and that by the time I get home it's one thirty two in the morning I'm fucking fat and it's hard to keep this keto diet I've gained a little weight again okay 
like to like oh what should I do have like a salad with a swordfish I mean with salmon or fucking tacos I'll hit the three tacos are though. you making the salmon no I'm oh no the salmon I make but I order the tacos yesterday I made yeah. salmon actually but tacos could be good depending on what's in it you know what I mean I'm a big short rib taco man it's so I'm a huge just rice and beans guy now. Oh, um, vegan, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm going yeah. vegan. It's a, uh, it's really easy to just eat a Chipotle or any. Mexican I eat vegan food all the time with Alex, man. It's so fucking yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It makes a it. chicharron, the vegan chicharron. I've definitely ordered from there on Uber Eats before, but I've never eaten at his uh, actual Dude, restaurant. He has um vegan pork rinds. Come on, bro. And I think they're gonna come out with a Cuban sandwich. Danny, Cuban if you're listening, sandwich. un sandwich guano. <laughs> And it's going to have the pork grind, so have a little bit of a crunch, a little different texture to it. You're seeing more vegan places pop up all over the place. You yeah. love to see it. New York is definitely the easiest place to be yeah. vegan. You won't go LA, hungry if you're vegan in New second. York. No. It's a good place to be a vegan. Bro, the best. Yeah. There's no place. Maybe London is a close second, then LA, and then after that, I have no idea. Waco, like, I Texas. My, I was in Miami. <laughs> What'd you say? Waco, Texas. Yeah, That's Waco, Texas. Fresh. I was just looking at the Waco documentary. Dude, oh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I finished that. But is there a, a second part? Because I, I thought I, wa- yeah. I mean, I lived it. I saw it while it was happening. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. It so was on the was news. That? It was everywhere. What was that like, though? Everyone was there, I'm, But was there any connection between the Waco, Texas and your chapter in New Jersey? Oh, everyone knows Were there was a, there's a connection between that and Scientology and yeah. Mormons and Seventh-day Adventists. What's and a seven-day Adventist? Kind of like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, supposedly the founder of the seven-day Adventist, kind of similar to the Jehovah's Witness, anti-government. They have a, a nutritional restrict, restriction, I think. I don't know what it is, some restrictions. What can, what can they not eat? They don't vote yeah. either. You know, they don't vote. Well, who the fuck votes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coming from two New Yorkers. Uh, very doctrine-oriented. It's always about, you know, whatever they call it, the church, or spreading the word. Having, you know, you have to marry somebody that's a seven-day Adventist. Your friends have to be seven-day Adventists. You know, the world is pagan. Was there any times where you liked being religious? Never. It was just, like, annoying. You had to get up in that, like, you had to wear a suit and go to I church. To, they had to shit. beat me down, bro. They fucking get me ready to go in the Sunday. neighborhood, knock on doors. So right? I whacked sick a lot, right? <laughs> I whacked sick a lot. And I would stay home and watch, um, on Sunday mornings, Albert and Costello were on. Channel 11, every Sunday, dude. And I was a huge, huge fan. I became a huge fan of Abner because to this day. What's the benefit behind being a Jehovah's Witness? Don't Nothing. mean to offend anybody who's listening My or watching control. who's a Jehovah's Nothing. Witness, but he actually was a Jehovah's Witness, so we have someone who's plugged in and is giving his opinion. I his guess experience. there's a certain sense of camaraderie okay. between you and the other Jehovah's Witnesses. Like a com- like comedians? No, yeah. Yeah, sure. We're like wolves, bro. <laughs> Without a pack. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I guess, I mean, besides that, it's just completely... You're stripped away of everything of who you are, and you become just a Joe's witness, somebody that um, is somehow generating money for the Watchtower, whether it's in donations, your donations, bringing in more people that are going to donate more. As a Jehovah's Witness, if you make, let's say, $100,000, are you required to donate a certain portion of your salary to the church? Not in black and white, yeah, but somehow you will be. Right. It's like, oh, we saw you made six figures this Bam. year. Congratulations. Ted's on it. 20K will be. Or if you don't go in a month, hey, where box. have you been? We haven't seen you. Jehovah's probably worried about you. But why would somebody join this to get themselves? Like, why would Tom Cruise be a Scientologist? Yeah, I don't know. That was, I, I saw um, in saying that Surrey Cruise hasn't seen Tom Cruise in 10 years because true. of the Church of That's Scientology. That's absolutely true. 
and Leah Remini, my girlfriend, yeah, Queens, she, she was uh, there for a while and left. Yeah, yeah, and I heard I've heard stories from her. Just she also had a documentary. Stories. She did, you know, the documentary she was doing about Scientology. Yeah, she did one about the Jehovah's Witnesses, about the Watchtower. We should check it out, bro. How would she know about that too, though? Because they wrote her and told her, "Do one about us. We're suffering as well." And she was like, "Oh shit!" Oh, now she's just the spokesperson for cults, yeah, religious she, cults. She, yeah, she was in it. She knows. She was in it like hardcore, like you know, Ted left Scientology. You no longer, and and Joe's when they call you in an apostate. Yeah, you're just fellowship. Okay, I think in Scientology, what is it? You're a something person. I don't know. Okay, so let's talk about how maybe a Jehovah's Witness or a Scientologist would potentially poach me. And like, how would they get me to potentially want a to A lot be of love bombing. That's a specific strategy that they do love bombing. Hi. Whether it, maybe it's two young ladies. So let's say they'd start, they'd start coming to my show and they'd be like, wow, you're really great. They won't man. go to your you show. Well, but how Joe would they try and get me? Well, I don't know how about they, How would they get me though? By knocking on the door. Like, but no, no, no. But how is Tom Cruise so involved in this enormous church scandal cult When he situation? was younger, obviously in Hollywood, probably drinking, doing drugs, and someone came up to him like, yo, that's a better way. You don't need to do this. What's this, though? Like, you know, the drinking and the drugs or whatever it is you're doing, there's a better way. Which maybe you hear that and you're thinking, okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing drugs and drinking. This is not a religion, brother. Trust me. This is different. You heard, have you ever heard of Elrond Harbor? No, have you ever read Dianetics? No. But how can you convince me that it's not a religion when it clearly is a religion? By the time, bro, it's too late, dude. You'll never... It's too late. You're, they are very charming when they knock on your door. Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Hi, yes, how are you? We're looking to brighten your day. Would you like a pet tiger? That was a big thing, too. They the used to tell the kids. that? Well, all the animals are going to be... They're not going to be ferocious. So they have pictures of Joe's Witness have pictures of kids playing with lions and stuff. Is that, is that like what Mike Tyson got into or something? Is that why? He no, Prince, white Prince was a Joe's Witness. Fuck Prince. Why fuck Prince? Latter day Prince, not young Prince. He was why? a Joe's Witness. He was a hardcore Jehovah doing it towards the end. And was he part of influencing, you think, a lot of other young Yeah, people? dude. He would know, maybe, but he would go knock on doors and preach yeah, with bodyguards and stuff. Look it up, I dare you. Right? Am I looking at the camera? He look look the it camera, up. Like I dare you. Let's keep it going. Yeah, bro. You've had quite the journey. Yeah. From oh, yeah. Cuba. And I started this Florida comedy thing the- late, man. I'm a new comic. I'm, I'm a new comic. Maybe then you in acting and sketches and comedic acting, but in stand-up, I'm, I've, only, I've only been doing this eight years. That's funny you consider that new. That's new. Yeah, that's, that's new. I still, considering I still with feel that, new. Considering with how, how long comedians' careers are. What's been your highlight so far? Oh, the highlights. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a few. I think just getting better has been the highlight. Finding different different voices at different moments throughout. The first two years, we just opened mics. So I've only been performing live going on six years. So I did my first live show in November 7th of 2017. It was called The 777 Show. Hilarious. And before that, I just did open mics for two years between 2015 and 2017. When did you start talking about your childhood, your traumatic childhood? Did that take a little bit for you to get comfortable with? Or was that kind of right That away? was right off the bat, I think. Yeah. Was that because you were experiencing not talking with your family? Like, when's the last time you spoke with your family? Oh, I was talking to them at that time, 2015. I was talking to them. And then there was an event. Yeah, but I was already, you know, I was already ready to do this. I was talking about other things. I was trying to write jokes. Not so much diving into this. I don't even talk about this now. I might mention it every now and then. But it was more about trying to be funny. 
trying to like you know write stupid jokes. There are some. There are still. There's a joke that I still do today that I was one of the first jokes I wrote. And then I did my first live show, and I started performing more. Then I won a contest. And Which one? Some, at Broadway contest at Broadway Let's Comedy go. Club. And um, so I started performing more. I started hustling, grinding more. You know, humbling myself more, and just writing more, writing, writing, writing. How comfortable are you on stage right now, time-wise? Are you uh, comfortable doing an hour or 45 minutes or what? I did 45 minutes for the first time last month. Let's go. In Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah? Yep. Let's go. Great dude. room, great crowd. How'd you feel? I felt great. I will tell you, uh, there were some safety blankets there. I'm not going to lie. How do you mean? Well, the crowd was mostly Latino. so I, you know, I'm, I'm Cuban, so I felt a little more comfortable, right? They were really pumped up. The people that opened for me, the people that went up before me killed it. So it was a good vibe. And they also had a clock counting me down. So I was looking at wow. that clock the whole time. Was that, a, was that specifically a comedy place or was it a theater type? It was a bar, dude, like a saloon with yeah. two floors. It used to be a biker bar. Crazy. That's interesting. They had a clock up there. Had a I clock. Wonder, I wonder he put it, it up there. No, the, the promoter put it up there for uh, the comedians. Okay, okay, okay. And dude, Ted, I didn't, like, I, I wrote some notes. Like I bumped, you know, I pumped out a couple of new Puerto Rican jokes because they're Puerto Ricans there, you know how we do. But um, I just like, you know, I fucking killed it dude. for 45 minutes. I just threw out all the shit that I've been doing over the years. Jokes that I can't do because I'm only doing 10 minutes yeah, here, 10, 8 15, minutes, whatever. 15, yeah, whatever yeah. it is, you know. So I couldn't believe that I did it, dude. And I still had jokes that I didn't do. It's great. I'm sure I'm like, that won't happen again. I'm sure that um, it's, the bomb is coming. It's coming because I think I got lucky with that one. So, no, but getting back to how much time I feel, co- I mean, you know, whatever I have to do, I try to get it done. Yeah. You know? And we had Spanish food, good Puerto Rican food. I was feeling comfortable. Do you do span- uh, comedy in Spanish? No. Could you? I could, but I just don't. I, I, it will have to be like starting all over again. Though. The nuances really? are different. Yeah. Okay. It wouldn't be like translating the jokes into Spanish. It would be like writing everything all over i did it once i did it once a long time ago and that was it i was like nah you didn't think about doing 30 minutes in english 30 minutes in spanish for a nah, special that, type i'm not that guy <laughs> someone else could probably do i mean lo español, lo escribo, lo leo de todo, pero no pero si pero no señor <laughs> pero si un, uno time i can act i just i, I just did time. something i just did something i was in a pilot called the migrants with um this young dude very professional young man you know brian torres day good kid and i played a venezuelan migrant what would you say to somebody who's looking to start comedy later in life as maybe you have to do it but what made you do it bro after that many years in hospitality oh after hospitality i did real estate what 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 counts around what what in real estate oh i sold like probably uh, commercial and um brownstones and rented a lot of farm. i sold the brownstone that was like four million dollars that was great yeah, yeah where was that didn't make anything on that um because <laughs> your 10 other partners did <laughs> cobble hill okay cobble hill brooklyn beautiful place yeah um rented a lot of apartments got a lot of, i would get a lot of listings but just couldn't close them and then i decided to go into this full time at my wife i told her listen i want to this is something i've always wanted to do and I think that I can do it because I was doing the open mics. And I was like, sure. Then I got an agent. The thing is, I got, I, 
I did my first show November of 2017. Yeah. 777. And then I got an agent in February of 18 for commercials and stuff like that. So I was doing a lot of acting. I went back to taking acting classes. I was like, I felt like I was in it, you know? Wasn't booking shit, but I was going to auditions <laughs> and I was in it. So that made me feel a little bit better. So then I started taking acting classes again, started reading about comedy, watching a bunch of fucking stand-up documentary. I think I've seen them all. And just really, I took a comedy class with Joel DeVito, trying to navigate this business with all these fucking killers. We're surrounded by killers. They're, they're the tier one killers, the tier two killers, the tier three killers, and I don't know where I fit in that totem pole. There's just so many good people in this fucking city. And that, well, that's also the beautiful thing about New York, though. We know that this is the best place to be. You want to be a comedian. New York and nowhere. Dude, I mean, geographically, everything's so close together. Uh, you know, there's a subway, you get there, it's, it's, and nothing's, everything's just so, you know, compact. Other cities, everything's just fucking spread out. Like shitty queens. I'm kidding. But bro, you, ah, fo- but bro, you <laughs> followed your passion, bro. So spit down the lens of people watching and listening. If they, what, should they follow their passion or no? And anything they can do, of course. I just... Signed my sign up for Taekwondo, my son up, and I used to take martial arts when I was younger. I was like, I think I'm going to do it again. Hell yeah. So if you think you can do it, do it. I mean, it's like skating. If you see you, the trick in your head and you're doing the trick in your head, you can do it in the fucking park. Where do you skate now? At Owl's Head. It's three blocks from my house. Owl's Head? Yeah, Bay Ridge. Okay, I saw there's one park. Where is it? Down by like Pier 26? Mm-hmm. Yep, little street. It's got a little street plaza and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's dope. But not too far from that is Chelsea Piers, man. They yeah, got some, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. I used so to fucking play like, hockey there. You see the, the fucking grinders in the ball? Those guys don't fuck around. Man. I haven't been there for a long time. <laughs> I was at Owl's Head last year in the fall. And I go there to skate. There's no one there in the morning. Dude. I show up there. It's packed with people. I was like, what the fuck is happening? How did you start skating, though? When you were in oh, New in Jersey? The, yeah, 80s, dude. We all skated. Yeah? Oh, fucking Tony Hawk, Pop Roll, the whole thing. Talk about Tony Hawk. So I'm skating there. It's packed, bro. The freaking, I see this guy that I know from Jersey, whatever. As I'm leaving, my boy texts me. Yo, Tony Hawk is there. What? He was there. I didn't even see him. At I the, noticed at there was the a lot Owl's of people. At Owl's place? At Owl's Head, In yeah. Bay Ridge? Yeah. Well, Isn't Mark that Gonzalez. random or no? Nah. Oh, that's, that's a, like oh, a legendary place? Mark Gonzalez is always there. And I've always missed him. And Mark Gonzalez always goes to Owl's Head, too. I know he does. <laughs> Growing up, did you just skate or did you play other sports? Oh yeah, no, I fuck yeah, I played basketball, football, baseball. Oh, let's go! Remember baseball? They took it away from me, Ted. Yeah, they did. The callback. They did, bro. I'm in eighth grade, and I wanted to play for the for the grammar school team, dude. I was good, you know. We're playing in the street. I'm like, why don't you play last? Well, it's just cold. I can't. <laughs> it's satanic. I don't know. <laughs> How old are you the, at this time? Fourteen. Yeah, yeah. eighth grade. Yeah. You know, year behind, and so my friends. One was dead, um, Hex, and another one was still alive, Gabe Coyazo, my boy. They told my mom, I believe to this day that, that last, you should let last play. He's been talking about, you know, really bad things and stuff like that. Like maybe, maybe I was suicidal, I don't know. So all I know is my mom said, hey, you want to play basketball? You can play as long as it doesn't interfere, you know, with the Kingdom Hall stuff. So I think I played basketball in eighth grade. I was like one of the all-stars. I went to this game that had all the all-stars from all the grammar schools playing the high school. The freshman coach was the... Coach, and then I played freshman basketball, and then I joined the modeling club, and then that was the end of that. The what? The modeling club. We don't have time for that. For there's <laughs> <laughs> a part you're a, two. You're, a, a, good looking, you're a good looking guy. I back, yeah, I peaked in high school for sure. Psst, what? 
What happened with basketball, though? You weren't allowed to pursue it? Pass the model? I didn't want to. I didn't want to play. Oh. Yeah. It's not my girlfriend. I thought I was too cute for it. Well, you had a girlfriend. You need to model. It's the girlfriend that I had for 14 years. That's stupid. Kids, this is some advice. Parents, don't let your kids have relationship for 14 years. Yeah, it's crazy. Starting at 16. If if your kids come home and say, Mom, I want to say I love you to whoever it is, tell them I'll buy you a car if you don't. Don't you find (laughs) that your kids need to find things out, though, by themselves? All the time. Right? Like, you can tell them, but ultimately, they're not going to learn until they do it themselves, you know? Well, the mom, the one I was with for 14 years, she was actually with them mostly because she moved away down south, and she did most of the raising with them. She did a great fucking job. So I got to reunite with them when I was in their early teens, early to mid-teens. Now I have a five-year-old and two-year-old, but I'm taking a fucking Taekwondo and shit. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm able to do that all over again. But she did most of the heavy lifting. What was a main lesson you think you learned from... Was it a traumatic experience when you came from Cuba to Florida? Yes. I came on a boat, Ted, overnight. It was like 12 hours. It was awful. I vomited the whole time. Brother, it's crazy how, to be honest, man, I can't even really picture something like that. I, like the, it yeah. seems unfathomable. Like yeah. when I go in the ocean, dude, and I'm too far out, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get back to shore. I feel Cuban. You should go. <laughs> I was so far out, I felt Cuban. That's a new bit. I cut it out. That's for Ted. No, that's for Ted. Well, I gave it to Ted. So if you, if I can never say, yo, he's using my bit. That's I get his. the Cuban bass. I'm riding. Ding. <laughs> So you remember from you remember it as a seven year old. I remember a little yeah the boat not all of it. I remember having a peach for the first time ever in my life. It was a good time to to be a refugee. I think it was a good time. I remember everyone being very friendly. You know what's even crazier, dude? This is well before nine eleven, right? My we had a passport, so I was a I was a kid, so the passport was my mom and me in the same passport. The U.S. government wrote our green card numbers. Our permanent resident with a pen, dude. Like, this is your alien number, and this is yours. That's all you need here. That's like here. Like, you couldn't do that today. Here, here's my ID right now with a pen. And now you're just a citizen. Yeah. No, that was, no, you're an automatic um, permanent resident, green card. You know, the shit that people fight for. But if yeah. you were just Cuban and you just fucking got here, like, give me the fucking paper. Swimming. Boom. That's how a lot of Latino, other Latino nations hated us. I even had, you know, even a friend of my my wife early on when we first met, she was like, where do you guys get to come here in other countries, you know, have to suffer that? I was like, what do I know? And I think Obama changed it. He got rid of that policy. Did you know any baseball players who came from Cuba to here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, The same way as you? No, I think they did it maybe on the boat, but they mostly like played internationally and then planned out a defection like someone fucking picked them up at the hotel put them in the trunk or something and then they like during the middle of the night yeah yeah shit like no. that yeah, yeah yeah and then once they got to this the u.s it was like it's shit, fine Ted. like it's fine no longer but now did you see in the you follow baseball yeah i don't follow baseball baseball as much as i, I saw used a tiny to. struck out tr- trout last I night that is a nasty freaking curve that. We were watching something. Uh, something. A slider. I was like, look at this. Look at this. I was like, oh. It was nasty. Almost talking about look. At least you talk about swinging. Yeah. Um, what the fuck <laughs> were we talking about? What the fuck was baseball, it? Baseball. Baseball. You said we were talking about a kid coming here from Cuba. Baseball guy. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Cut this out. Just cut it out completely. Do you want me to cut this part out? No. Nah, do whatever you want. I don't give a fuck. Oh, all right. It's your we're show. We're keeping it in, brother. 
That's forgot what he was talking about. <laughs> so good a fat boy. There was no help. Let's rewind the tape. <laughs> We're talking about the Cuban kid, baseball kid coming here, but like getting defected. Yeah, I mean, suitcase yeah, it, in the middle of the night. It, it was yeah. That's I mean that's the way they did it. I think most most of the time. Um, yeah, you, you don't. You have to sneak out. Yes, sneak but out. you were able to. Correct. Well, like we, it was easy we did to it legally. Out, maybe. Yeah. We did it legally. What do you mean? Yeah, we left Cuba legally. So there was an agreement between Castro and Carter that if you made it to the United no, States, that he was shipping out Cubans in boats. I mean, people, you can correct me. You can look this up. Scholars, the readers out there. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I lived it. I don't know exactly what happened, but I lived it. This was an unspoken agreement. No, it was no the the people the white people in Florida knew we were coming. That we don't want these Cubans here. Yeah, that they knew we were coming. We don't need them here. But the agreement between Jimmy Carter and who was it? What was it? Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro at the time was that if any Cubans come to the United States on a raft that they made themselves, they well, can stay. I don't know if that wet foot, dry foot policy was implemented during Carter, or that was already there during. Kennedy or but the Kennedy. wet foot dry foot policy insinuated that if Cubans made their own boat in Cuba and then came to the United States, they could stay. Boom. That's just no what, repercussions. So while they might die, it's nobody's fault. Yeah, their own. <laughs> Who told you to leave them? But like, no, but like, <laughs> Who told you but like, to leave? No, but no insurance behind there. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Gente so que <laughs> But yeah, so you were, That is wild. So that's why a lot of Cubans don't like Obama, you know? Hardcore racist yeah. Cubans from America because they change it. But if, if Cuba has that policy, why why doesn't uh, other why don't other countries have it, you know? You right. Know, well, Nicaragua, yeah. fucking I mean, North San Salvador, Korea, maybe. North Korea, if they can get here, if you can make that trip, <laughs> if you can survive <laughs> those hundred and thirty days. <laughs> Jesus, dude. If you can survive that year. I mean, wet foot, dry foot is a great policy. I think it should be. Oh, I, you know what? There's obviously a lot of immigration policies that. Would As a Cuban, I that. wasn't upset that Obama removed that. You know, he got rid of that policy. I wasn't upset because there were other countries that weren't afforded the same privilege. Though. Mexico now the border is kind of going wild, right? I mean, Mexico. Like, we can day. just walk. We don't even have to get wet, man. We could just walk over. Yeah, they're weird. like, no, Cubans can come here. You guys can't. So. Yeah, and who's working harder, right? Makes they all are. The Everyone is. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Everyone. I mean, Cubans are laborious as fuck too. But I mean, we shouldn't have special privileges. That's nuts, dude. No, it's crazy, dude. Politics and these fucking men with their fucking politics and shit, with their guns and their but tanks we're just fo- and dude, their guns. We're just focusing on the important things, man. Making people Comedy. smile. Yeah. Making people laugh. Laz, this has been a great episode, man. I appreciate you for coming over. Right? We could do. We've been it's fucking a part two. popping all over There's it, a dude. part two coming in so the spring. What do you have um, coming up in the future that we can look out for you? And uh, we're going to pop up your Instagram right here. So shout it out, dude. Let us know what you're doing. At Laz Rivera for everything. Catch me on Amazon Prime Video in the Redeemables. Let's go. And Crash the System on Tubi. If you want to rent it and pay for it, go ahead. If you want to watch it for free, Tubi. <laughs> 
And tonight I'm going to leave here. I'm going to do a show in the Lower East Side and then go to the Greenwich Village and do a spot there. What about this weekend? Because we're listening to this Thursday. Thursday, my bad. That was it. a good Wednesday. <laughs> Great Wednesday. Hey, good, good job. You what day it is out today? There. Today is Thursday as, as we're all listening Tomorrow I'll be today. at St. Mark's Comedy Club hosting the 8 o'clock show. Again, another shout out to those guys. And um, I'm going to be at the Comedy Shop in Greenwich Village on Saturday. I'm going to host the shop at 8. And then host the fucking midnight at Greenwich and get a spot wherever I can after that. Absolutely. Laz, dude, thank you so much for coming Ted, on the thank podcast. thank you so much for having Laz me. Laz Rivero, this guy is hilarious. What a persona. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace.